All right. Good morning, everybody. Now, um, welcome to this um, panel, uh, the first panel of the Capital Link um, Conference. Now, um, we have a fantastic panel lineup today. Uh, we have uh, three ship owners. Uh, we have uh, Gary from Eagle Bulk, uh, Marco from Primuda, uh, Captain Zhou from uh, Wakong, and then we have also uh, one supplier, uh, SO Mobile, uh, John, and also a, a few experts, um, uh, Steve B. Now, um, everybody knows that uh, in the shipping industry, uh, we revolve um, around the uh, ship owners. So I think uh, what uh, we will do is that uh, we will start with the ship owners um, so that uh, we will get a clearer idea of uh, what they are doing, what they will be doing, and then we'll move on to the fuel suppliers and also the fuel experts. Uh, now, um, I think um, I'll start with Gary. Now, uh, Gary, I think um, you are a big supporter of uh, Scrubber. Uh, you were modernizing your fleet, your fleet for uh, the past five years um, and uh, you've been doing it uh, and also you've been retrofitting uh, Scrubbers and all. Now um, we are 90 days uh, into um, 2020. Uh, so I would like to see how do you think your strategy is working out for you uh, and uh, how's the fuel availability and how's the fuel spread, uh, price spread that working out for you, uh, your bills on that? Yeah, thank you. So, um, you know, clearly uh, th things have been extremely uh, fluid over the last 90 days. We came into 2020 with extremely wide fuel spreads. Um, they narrowed, um, you know, as we expected. And then most recently with the flood of, um, you know, uh, Saudi crude in the market and, and, the, and the precipitous drop in, in oil prices, we've seen a further um, reduction in that fuel spread currently around 90. Uh, the forwards are, are up around 100 for the balance of this year and 110, significantly lower. I mean, the, the, the scrubbers themselves have been uh, working well. We, we, we had uh, 38, we're finishing up the last couple, we'll have a total of 41 out of 50 ships, so a bit over 80% of our fleet. Um, so, you know, we, we believe that as fuel prices moderate, you know, long-term, that fuel spread will widen again. Fortunately for us, uh, we took a position that we wanted to hedge a significant portion of that fuel spread. And, and as I mentioned, at, at one point, the, the fuel spreads, you know, were, were up in the high 200s uh, for the balance of this year. So we've covered about 25% of that, of our, call it our HSFO fuel requirements for 2020 and 2021 at, at, at levels close to 230 and 150 respectively. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's early days, just like I think it was probably not very helpful to calculate, you know, um, returns a week into uh, or two weeks into January. I think given the current environment of COVID-19 plus, as I mentioned, the oil price, I think it's not very helpful. Having said that, even at a $100 fuel spread, a company like Eagle, we, we calculate high level to generate around $24 million of incremental EBITDA on, on the back of that fuel spread. And, and so, you know, we consider that very acceptable, especially given the dynamic that we're in today. Right, thank you, Gary. Yes, um, actually 90 days is uh, very short, especially you're comparing that to the life um, span of uh, the scrubber or even the ships. Uh, now, uh, I would like to move on to uh, Marco. Now, Marco, uh, I think your position is kind of like the opposite, um, that you don't use yeah. scrubber. Um, so for you, what do you think um, um, of the situation so far, 90 days into uh, 2020? Well, uh, the position is not the opposite, that's for, for the sake of opposite. Our position 
kind of water fleet until uh, recently have been mainly of more uh, middle uh, size ships. So we mainly had MRs and on the Balkan side we had the uh, handy Balkans. So I personally didn't believe that uh, retrofitting uh, these kind of ships, apart being very complicated for the different pattern of trade, uh, that would have been uh, a good thing to uh, to install scrubbers. Now we have uh, we always had two LR2s, which uh, were now they're at works. Uh, one is at work for doing a ballast water treatment plant. Uh, then we've been getting into the feed five new five LR2s. So now the problem is going to be posed for us. But certainly, how things have been going, I think we'll be watching the situation. I think a little bit later on. Uh, uh, I don't think that there is this urgency in the side. Also, because shipyards are very full in this moment. So, if whenever we decide that any chance of retrofitting with covers would be a decision we will take later down the road. All right, thank you. Now, what about Captain Joel? Um, now, uh, I think um, I was reading something uh, which uh, your chairman, uh, Mr. Chow, he has made the statement, uh, it was uh, done last year end of last year, uh, said the role of Wa Kuang, uh, besides a ship owner, is also a service provider uh, on ship management and need to work closer with charterers. Now, um, I think um, uh, um, nowadays, actually, uh, Wa Kuang is um, talking about these Wa Kuang lights. Um, so I'm wondering, um, for the, um, uh, the position of a scrubber or not, actually, um, does it have anything to do with um, your uh, existing strategy? Uh, thank you, Ben. Basically, we also did a very uh, careful analysis uh, based on our, our ship type as, uh, as well as the ship's uh, employment uh, models. So our uh, position, our decision was to switch in to low sulfur fuel for all the existing fleet. So it, uh, after now, already this already passed for 90 days uh, and it is uh, worked out very well and uh, we have a, a very trans, uh, a smooth transitions. So we did not install retrofitting any scrubber for existing ships. However, we decided to install the scrubbers for our new buildings, and uh, which is to be delivered this year. So we have not had any actual uh, operational experiences on the scrubbers. So on our, in the, on the, for the operating with the low sulfur, and uh, we did not experience any technical issue or compliance issues. However, we remain very cautious uh, to the quality and the compatibility of the new fuels supplied to our ships. Basically, we implement uh, additional uh, uh, preventative uh, policies we do not allow the mixed bunkers for different ports and suppliers. So our contracted uh, laboratory will perform additional tests, uh, like such as a reserve stability number and the total exit number, etc., which is over the normal ISO standard. Mm. In addition, we also supply the uh, compatibility test kits to onboard. Right. All engineer can perform a simple test before into use. So far, it works out very well. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Actually, I would I'd like to have also a follow-up question on that. Now, uh, for the crews, 
uh, now, um, uh, uh, do you plan to, because um, you'll be uh, having uh, ships with scrubbers coming on, then um, do you, do you, what do you see of the training of the crew? And also, I know that uh, Wa Kuang actually recently set up an office in Shenzhen, and I think um, partially the function is also about growing. So um, how do you think that's working out for you? Yes, we do uh, uh, because of expansion of the our the military business. Uh, we recently set up a, a new office in Shenzhen, and we also have the additional crewing office in the Qingdao and provide crew trainings. I think uh, for the scrubber, it is a new equipment on board, and uh, definitely we need to uh, give some trainings to our crew, and uh, for taking over those new ships and uh, our crew will be joining the ship uh, in well at once uh, starting from attending sea trials so they will follow with the mechanics engineer for the commission testing of the scrubbers and also uh, uh, have received trainings operational trainings from the mechanics engineers i see um what about uh, uh, gary and uh, marco what you see of um, the crew's training um for the um, use of scrubber uh, do you see that as uh, like um, an additional cost on top of um, the uh, the cost of the scrubber? Um, uh, and uh, how do you see any difficulties of of, uh, of training the crew or um, having the crew availability uh, with the scrubber trained? Uh, this is just uh, hypothetical for us because we don't have scrubbers. But for sure, I think you'll have to have some training of crews on board, uh, and that will. Uh, Will make it a little bit more difficult. I don't know how much availability there is for crews that are trained no scrubbers because it's kind of a new system. So I think uh, probably you'll have some uh, some issues there, and for sure there's going to be some cost added on the training and everything. But as I told, it's an hypothetical. It's not out of experience. Mm -hmm. Thank you, uh, Gary. Yeah, no, no question about it. So I mean, as as our vessels have come out of the yard, there's there's a commissioning process. The crews are have been of course, onboard the vessel during installation. So that gives you that time uh, with the supplier to, to discuss operations, goes through the commissioning. Uh, we've also set up a central resource at the company so that vessels can, can contact people with knowledge. And as well, of course, we have, we have uh, as, as being a fairly a significant customer, you know, we have direct access to suppliers. So like any piece of equipment, same with ballast water treatment system, right? There's, there's an additional uh, piece of equipment that requires, you know, training and, and it's, it's, a, it's a process. And of course, as new crews come on board, they need to be trained as well. Having said that, it's, it's our, our experience thus far has been extremely positive. Um, it's a straightforward um, piece of equipment. Uh, some, some of the issues around uh, you know sensors and things like that we've been able you know to clear uh, quickly and uh, but but there's no question about it it's another piece of equipment there, there's incremental training as well as you know maintenance cost uh, like anything else on board a ship right thank you Gary now I would like to move on to John and uh, now John are uh, you used to be a seafarer um, superintendent uh, chief engineer uh, contract negotiator uh, energy conservation specialist and now with the food supplier so it seems like you should know both sides very well. Now, um, my question to you is uh, now 90 days into uh, 2020. Uh, now, uh, how do you see the actual demand uh, on the high and low sulfur fuel? Um, is it in line with your uh, planning and um, uh, forecast? Um, and uh, also uh, for that, actually, um, uh, the price spread 
because actually uh, it affects a lot on the um, the, um, the 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 return uh, on the uh, scrubber. So the price spread um, is it also uh, within your forecast? I don't think. Uh, thanks, Ben. I don't think anyone could have forecasted what we're going through today. You know, right. starting with the 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 drop in the prices of oil. Uh, yeah. And continuing with the, with the COVID nineteen, so I, I think that probably is is maybe a little bit different difficult question to answer. But I think one of the things we can focus on is the challenges that we face as an industry. And I think what's really really interesting is is that industry came together, um, all sides, and worked together to identify some of the risks. You know, some of the big risks were compatibility and different types of fuel being developed and got those risks out to the suppliers, out to the end users. We didn't see the disruption we saw um, that when the ECAS first came into effect. So I think, you know, if we look how we manage that and going forward and, you know, Steve can elaborate a little bit further on you know, what he's seen as far as off-spec, you know, fuel, I don't think it's been as, as large as we expected it to be. So in, in that matter, I think what's going to happen is, is that, you know, we've got these new challenges with depressed prices. Um, that's good for the ship owner side. Um, maybe not so good from the supplier side. Uh, you may see some operators, um, you know, suppliers not be in business in the future. I think what's important is we have a plan going forward to, to meet the energy needs of, of the ship owners, whether it's high sulfur fuel, uh, whether it's uh, VLSFO um, or even EcoFuel. Um, right. So I think that's what's really important in the challenge. The market is going to drive the price. Um, so I don't think, um, you know, we have a lot of, of common on what it's going to be or, or what it's going to do. We have to rise to the, the challenge and, and meet the demands of, of, you know, what our industry, the ship owners uh, need. Right. Thank you, John. Now, um, Steve, um, John just mentioned about the compatibility. Now, um, for these um, three months, actually, in terms of uh, compatibility, uh, like the reports on the incompatibility and also geographic locations of uh, where is this um, happening the most, um, uh, what kind of um, uh, advice you would give to the ship owners and operators? Well, I think with, I mean, compatibility is not a, a new issue. Um, in relation to IMO 2020 and the BLSF oil fuels, compatibility has been something that the industry has had to contend with you know, for, for a number of years. And always the advice has been whenever possible, don't obviously uh, mix fuels. Now, obviously, operationally, that's, you know, it can be incredibly difficult at times. Um, with the new fuels, so far, it's been reasonably good. I mean, we've undertaken a number of compatibility studies for our clients. Uh, and in the main, I would say, Probably, you know, things have been relatively, relatively good. But I think it's key really to know as much about the fuel prior to uh, receiving and burning that fuel uh, through testing in order to understand, um, you know, the, the properties of the fuel. And obviously that will help obviously mitigate any, any potential risks. I mean, in terms of quality, John touched on that, 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 that earlier. And, you know, in the first sort of 10 weeks of um, 2020, VPS have actually issued uh, 15 bunker alerts. Mm. Uh, this is in comparison to only three bunker alerts over the same time period last year. Now, of these 15 bunker alerts, they're not just related to the new fuels, only four related to VLSFOs. Five were related to distillates and six were related to the high sulfur fuel oils. Um, and they, you know, so it shows that it's, you know, 
the issues are across the board when it comes to the fuel type and also the parameters you know the the, the parameters covered by bunker alerts have been such like sediment flash point uh, density low viscosity potassium and sodium and as i say quite a, a geographical spread across the globe that are not fixed to one specific region so i think looking at fuel overall um you know compatibility is something that we we've always had to deal with, we've always had to look for and be considerate of, and the VLSFO fuels are no different. Mm, I see. Thank you. Uh, what about the non-availability reports? Um, is it um, uh, being seen uh, a lot or actually is um, uh, quite good that actually it is not really an issue, non-availability? The, 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 are you to, uh, speaking in respect to the phone hours? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've not uh, personally had any uh, of any specific issues with regard to phone or uh, matters um, but however I have read recently I think it was on ship and bunker um, earlier this week where the IMO had actually received 41 phone or filings in January yet only six phone or filings in uh, in February um, the January report showed that there was issues in Brazil and Sri Lanka and India uh, with regard to VLSFO supply. However, it seems that Brazil in particular have seemed to be able to eradicate that shortage uh, over the course of February. Um, so I think as far as availability is concerned, um, there is a good availability of VLSFOs. Uh, there is a good, obviously, availability of, of gas oil with, with, without a doubt. And if I look at the numbers that we had for um, the, the, first, uh, the first two months, certainly, February in particular, VLSFOs probably accounted for 65% of the fuels that VPS had seen. So I think it shows that there is availability of these fuels in the majority of ports. Mm, I see. Thank you. Now, uh, going back to uh, the ship owners, uh, now I would like to go back to Marco. Um, I was uh, reading an article and um, which um, I think you said, you mentioned, uh, consolidation is the medicine which is needed in the sector um, and everyone likes market consolidation but nobody likes to be consolidated now um, uh, I'm, I'm wondering because actually now um, for I think for these um, two years actually the, um, the, the, the whole world is going through um, uh, quite a bit of, of, of trouble uh, last year we had the trade war and it changed quite a bit of the uh, shipping pattern and uh, this year we got this uh, COVID-19. Uh, now, do you see this actually um, is going to make, um, together with the uh, IMO 2020, uh, so um, do you see this actually is um, uh, uh, making it happening, consolidation um, of the sector? Well, I, I think the consolidation, as I said, uh, it is something everybody looks uh, for. Uh, then there is the point of nobody wants to be consolidated, but then there are some cases where you're obliged to get consolidated. Uh, the company that uh, I'm, uh, I'm running now, it is very much uh, a company that's running fleets of uh, vessels, uh, uh, mainly repossessed or in uh, distress. So we are we're running those ships. So, uh, so indirectly, there is a consolidation, especially in the Italian market, there's been a kind of of a strong consolidation in that segment. So I will go back to my statement. Uh, consolidation has to happen. Nobody wants to be consolidated. But then there are certain events that are pushing towards consolidation. 
I think uh, the more the market becomes specialized, the more there's going to be need for consolidation, and also the size of fleets that are present on the market. I remember uh, 23 years ago when I joined uh, my previous employer, uh, a fleet of uh, 15 MRs was a big fleet. Today, if you don't control uh, 50 MRs or 30 MRs, you're not a player at all. So the scale has certainly become bigger and bigger. So I think that in the future, this matter of consolidation uh, will continue. Then there is uh, shipping is very much uh, a market in which uh, it is very much of uh, a market where you have the figure of ship owners. So I think these kind of figures will always exist, but then there are going to be created larger consolidation. And uh, if you want to expand on that, I think that consolidation can happen mainly through acquiring of ships, but also can happen through managing pools or, or, uh, or chartering in ships. By consolidation, I mean that one entity has a control over a larger number of ships. Then it doesn't necessarily need to own those ships. Right. Thank you. Now, what about the uh, winning factor? Um, as you mentioned, nobody likes to be uh, consolidated. Then um, what will be the um, winning factor ahead for the shipping industry? which will be keeping the um, uh, shipping industries um, uh, or particular companies away from being uh, consolidated? Would it be um, very astute financial management uh, or for example, technology or being green? What will be the winning factor? Well, I think that in general in shipping, I think the segment in which you operate, I think it's always very good to be a market leader in, the, in a niche segment. So necessarily being in a niche segment and being the market leader in that will preserve you from consolidation. But I think that a lot is, uh, is going to be a question also of financial responsibility. Companies that are financially strong will not need to be consolidated uh, because there won't be a default event or something like that. I think the companies that are successful commercially will not need to be consolidated because they have their, their customer base, which are very attached. So there is some niches there happening in the market. For sure, I think the moment uh, you want to consolidate and look at larger entities, for sure this is going to happen also for the fact that also the, the people on the other side, the big traders, the oil companies, they're becoming less and less and less. So I think there is a, a kind of verticalization of the whole process where you have few customers representing a lot part of your business. So I think, and for being relevant to those few companies and being a large part of their business, you need to have a relevant fleet to serve all their purposes. So mm -hmm. I think to answer your question, to preserve a consolidation financial and I think good management, those probably will preserve you. Thank you, Marco. Uh, yeah, uh, some may wonder why I, I'm asking this question uh, because actually I think um, given there are so many um, events globally happening uh, these couple of years, um, I was thinking IMO 2020 uh, actually could be the last straw on certain companies. Um, so actually for that, um, that would be uh, quite relevant. So now Gary, uh, same question to you. Uh, now, what do you see is a winning factor to keep the companies away from being uh, consolidated, bearing in mind the uh, global events um, that are happening right now? Yeah, um, thanks, Benjamin. I mean, maybe I'll start going back a second because I do think that going into um, IMO 2020 last year, you know, one of, one of the hurdles for 
consolidation was you had two camps, people installing scrubbers, mm-hmm. uh, people who weren't, and, and they had their view, and now we have clarity on that. And, and of course, we have a bit of lack of clarity on, on, on the forward markets, given, given what's, what's happening in the world at the moment. So I think that's helpful. Um, but as, as, as Marco said, I mean, the things that, that are, um, you know, success factors, if you will, to be a surviving entity are, are things that he mentioned. I think also strong governance is, is helpful as well, especially if, if the um, entity that's going to be, you know, acquired, merged into another one and becomes a shareholder. I think a, a, a trust factor that, that the management are, are good stewards of, of the capital and have alignment with the shareholders is, is really critical. But I fully agree, it's, it's having a, a core competency, whatever that may be within your, your area, a focus on a certain niche, customer relationships, you know, commercial management, um, and embra- embracing technology uh, and using, you know, looking forward. And I also think as we go forward, you know, the things we talked about, the ability to train train crews on, on equipment and, and, and having the scale to deal with, uh, with various new regulations, you, you simply can't do that effectively, efficiently, uh, being a small company. So it's, it's really, it, it's, I think it's about you know, executing well for yourself and then you become a natural survivor in, in a consolidation play. Thank you, Kerry. Yes, well, I think Benjamin, I, want, I wanted to add also something here. The events that we're looking at now, you know, the spread on the bunker and everything that's reducing between, you know, it's not due to coronavirus, but it's mainly due to the internal fight inside of OPEC that decided to produce as much as they can, everybody. So, you know, it's not something, this is a, a fallout effect, there's an effect that has nothing to do with coronavirus. Because if coronavirus is bringing other problems, what's happening now? And bunker levels and in the utilization of a lot of the tanker fleet, it is due mainly to a commercial war within OPEC and OPEC Plus. You know, I right. think it's totally different events. Yes, thank you, thank you. Now, uh, Kevin Zhao, uh, what's your view on that? Now, uh, consolidation. Actually, I think uh, for the uh, family um, uh, shipping business um, here in Hong Kong, actually, uh, obviously, uh, for the past decades and um, they have uh, right through the storm the storms so actually um, uh, for Captain Zhao um, for the uh, Wang Huang of uh, uh, point of view um, how do you see the consolidation and how could Wang Huang be actually um, uh, be the winner out from this and uh, from our own experience I think uh, we uh, uh, I think the key things uh, we are uh, achieved and also quite a success in this area is a uh, we call the loyalty-driven quality. It's making the quality very consistent. Basically, our role in the market, we are the, a, a technology provider. Uh, being a family company, we already, a uh, company already there for 68 years. And uh, it's uh, quite an older a family company. Uh, in the meantime, we have uh, many uh, very loyal staffs in the working in company. Some of them working in the, for this company over 40 years. And uh, my, including myself, I actually worked for Wagon already since 1995. So that, that is already 25 years. I would say this is the loyalty driven uh, the, the quality is making that the, our, the, the service delivery is very consistent. So far, we, we received uh, quite many uh, positive comments from our clients like Chatteras. 
So it's a, for our experience, we've, we think it's quite unique as quite important. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin Joe. Now, uh, John, um, earlier, um, I think um, it was uh, Gary mentioned about the uh, technology. Uh, now, um, looking ahead in terms of the um, uh, different kind of availability or alternative fuel, uh, which um, the uh, uh, shipping community is looking at, let it be LNG or ammonia or hydrogen or any other things. Um, what do you see from it? Um, ExxonMobil, um, have you any plan for um, any particular kind of um, uh, fuel to focus on and um, uh, what do you see on the green fuel future? Yeah, I think that's very, very important. I think we as society, you know, understand that uh, going green and reducing carbon emissions and, and, and pollution is very important, uh, not just for shipping, but, uh, you know, globally. So I, I think what's going to happen going forward until we have that next big breakthrough, the next technology, you'll see a number of different uh, fuel types out there. And again, whether it's, you know, niche markets like faced with batteries or you know, LPG carriers, um, LNG will, will certainly fill a, a little bit of that. But I think you're going to see a lot of different ones. There's not, at this point, there's not one fuel solution. I think what's really important is that we as an industry work together. You know, if you look at the um, lifespan of a ship, 20, 25 years, how long it takes to design and build and construct, we all need to come up with a plan on how to get to 2030 and to 2050 and work together. It's not just one part of the, the industry to do that. And I think if this is any um, indication of what we did to come together for, for just 2020, I think we can meet those needs no matter what that energy uh, is going to look like in the future. Right, thank you. Now, uh, Steve, um, what about from your perspective? Let it be, um, say, for, for the future feel, um, what, what will be the most uh, deciding factor of uh, whether it will become a mainstream feel in the future? Um, I think again, it's it's probably more down to obviously you know supply and uh, and demand. Obviously, it will be customer driven and you know uh, as well as legislatively uh, driven. Um, but I think you've got to look at the um, the, the different um, requirements for each of these fuels. So whether it be hydrogen, ammonia, methanol, LNG, um, you know they all come with different handling um, considerations. Um, both obviously in the transfer of the uh, of the fuel, uh, as well as obviously how they are stored on board ship. Um, so you know a lot of these um, fuels are coming in a gaseous form, need to be compressed and liquefied, which obviously again comes with its own complexities. But in my mind, I don't think you know there's there's no such thing as a as a bad fuel. I think all fuels have their pros and their cons, and as long as you're aware of the potential uh, cons as it were um, beforehand and you know you can actually account for those then you know I think you know any fuel um, within a certain um, consideration um, you know would be a, a useful fuel um, you know they all have levels of energy they all have um, you know their, their own um, pros in terms of you know how they can be used, but I think overall it will be driven by the by the market as well as the uh, the legislation. Thank you, thank you, Steve. Yes. Now, um, actually, um, uh, I think Tom actually is um, uh, running short, and um, uh, now I would like to um, 
before I end this panel, actually, uh, I would like to make sure that we are addressing also the COVID-19 uh, because uh, for the IMO 2020, it's been hovering around um, above the shipping industry for a decade. Um, so everybody actually is um, one way or the other all prepared for it. Whereas COVID-19 is something, it just happened and uh, it was um, progressing very fast also. Uh, now, um, I would like um, to have uh, each of our panelists um, to, um, to let us know uh, with the challenges that we're having right now. Um, uh, how are they going to, or how are you going to um, uh, relaunch or to, um, uh, to, uh, to bring your business forward after this outbreak is over? Uh, now, of course, um, uh, there are some, um, uh, uh, the oil price, um, low oil price is a, a very good, um, uh, big plus. However, I think uh, it is only useful if um, there is a cargo on the ship uh, for you to um, uh, operate. Um, so um, uh, uh, I think for this, I will also uh, start with uh, Gary. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so first of all, I, I, I personally wouldn't use the term restart because we are, we're engaged in this market and while we're facing a lot of challenges and, and everyone's working uh, from home, as, as you can tell here, um, we, I think we are getting it done. And, and uh, you know, we're responding as, as everyone uh, who's on this panel and everyone in the world is, is doing. We are we're facing those challenges and, and we're delivering cargo. So I think it's a matter of uh, facing the challenge each day, uh, coming up with, with good solutions, uh, protecting our, our, our employees and our crew, and, and, and delivering cargo in the supply chain. So really, really it's, it's a matter of, of working through this and then, and then continuing to execute and, and, and delivering uh, cargo and keeping the supply chains open. Um, you know, one thing I, I understand the, the, the comment about lower fuel prices uh, being positive, but actually, Higher fuel prices slow ships down, uh, which is good for the market, good for the environment. And, and, and so what we see here is, is, is the opposite happens with, with lower fuel prices. So it's not, it's not binary, it's not all positive or negative, but I, I, I thought it was worth pointing that out that, that especially now where we, we were, we thought, um, and, and I think we still will see that eventually, but with, the, with IMO 2020, that older, less efficient ships facing expensive VLSFO, uh, would become more inefficient and, and, and ultimately leave the, leave the fleet, which would be good for, for the market and good for the environment. We haven't seen that happen as of yet, but again, I, I, I both believe and I'm hopeful that, that COVID-19 is, uh, is you know, soon and quickly behind us uh, from a humanitarian standpoint, first and foremost, but also from a business standpoint, and we can get back to a more uh, expected uh, place than where we are today. Thank you, Gary. It's very true that everything's got two sides of it. Uh, now, Marco, your views on that? Uh, look, I think uh, I agree with Gary with his comments. I think the starting uh, is going to happen. I think uh, we'll, all, uh, we'll all do that by, I think, uh, first of all, starting traveling again and seeing customers. Uh, so I think we're very much tied to the general uh, state of the economy, which is going to be later on. As far as you were asking also as challenges that we find, I think one of the biggest challenges that we find is not uh, from working at home, which is something unusual, 
because it's not a choice, but it's an obligation. You know, sometimes you work from home because you feel like working from home. Here you have to work from home because you're obliged to work from home. So it's a different spirit. But I think the biggest thing that we're finding now, and uh, I think the fellow owners on, on, on this panel uh, probably will share my thing, it's about the crews. We have a situation where you have crews on board that you can't uh, disembark them because very few countries would let you disembark crews without a quarantine, very reduced flights uh, from one place to another, and then very difficult uh, to have crews joining the ships uh, because no country lets them in and, and then you have to put them on board of ships. So I think this is one of the biggest obstacles that uh, we're facing uh, on a logistical point of view now. For the rest, I think uh, uh, we're, we're still working from home. I think everything is, is working pretty decently. But you have these areas of concern that are getting created by coronavirus. Right. Thank you. Um, thank you, Marco. It's true uh, because um, I think um, working from home actually to a lot of uh, people and companies is um, something which they have, um, haven't done before but actually it could be opening up a, a new way of uh, working in the future. Actually shipping, actually you've got the crews and the ship out there uh, anyways. So they are kind of like working away from the office uh, at home. Uh, now, uh, uh, Captain Zhao, uh, yes. what about you um, in terms of uh, after passing all this outbreak and things, uh, what do you think Wakwang is the best um, in terms of um, uh, bringing the company forward? Ah, uh, yes. And, uh... Of course, uh, as uh, uh, shared uh, by the other uh, panelists here, shipping and our daily business is uh, very significantly impacted. And particularly on the operation side, uh, as uh, uh, the, 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 uh, Marco just uh, mentioned, uh, is, uh, we also uh, seem uh, same thing. The major, mostly uh, the difficult part is uh, crew change. Uh, it's a really, really uh, difficult and also crew safety when they are calling other uh, foreign ports where the, the pandemic is uh, there and we are very concerned, very much concerned on the crew safety. So uh, at this moment, uh, we also implement uh, the, the home officer policies and uh, almost half our staffs will be working from home. We manage all the business uh, ongoing, except we stop two things. Basically, one thing is we stopped crew change. The, the one is we just try to uh, avoid to sending fresh crew going on board because we think it is risk uh, existing crew on board. Second, uh, as uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, Marco just uh, mentioned, and uh, basically the wider traveling restrictions you are moving crew from one place to other place is so difficult. So we stopped. The second is, uh, stop, the, I think uh, it's same as the other company. We stopped the essential movements. So two things have stopped. So as, uh, as soon as this uh, pandemic is under control, if the travel restrictions is uh, lifted, I think uh, our first thing will be start beginning to uh, uh, arrange for crew sign off as soon as possible for their vacations. We understand that they are feeling tired and that they are caring for their families. And they, but they have been very cooperative and support the company's uh, uh, contingency plan, contingency measures by agree to continue service on board during this difficult time. Of course, uh, second, uh, I think we will plan to, uh, to visit our clients. Uh, we are the technology provider. We are the also service provider 
or many owners for the uh, management of vessel. So all of the plan will be uh, very much depend on our client's needs. So as soon as uh, the, the, the situation permits, we will pay a visit to see, see our client. We have not seen them for quite many times. We listen to their voices and their need for our future planning. Thank you, Captain Zhao. Uh, yes, shipping is a very person, um, uh, a very much a person business. So uh, we need to see people. Uh, now, uh, Steve, um, uh, sorry, John, uh, I'll go for John first. Um, uh, what's your view on that? And uh, apologies, but actually, I think uh, our time is getting uh, quite... Um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll make it brief. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with the, the other panelists here. This is not about a restart. Um, I, I think what's really important, I mean, if you look at ExxonMobil, we've been around 135 years. We've been through global wars and, and pan, other pandemics and uh, financial crises. What's important that we have that other in the industry have to have is, you know, m mitigate their risk, have a, a very, very uh, robust uh, business continuity plan. And then be there for the customers. For us, it's their energy needs today and their energy needs of tomorrow. But it's the same thing with ship owners. You know, we, we heard that line about uh, quality and, and on-time delivery. That's what's very, very important uh, to, to everyone in the industry to pr provide that services and help plan and how we get from here to 2030 and to 2050. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Steve? Yeah, I think, you know, again, I agree with the other guys, no restart required. I think shipping has proven itself over the years to be a very resilient uh, industry. Um, as a supplier to that industry, service provider to that industry uh, in terms of marine fuel testing, um, VPS have always employed good continuity uh, business plans, contingency plans, and that's been no different throughout, obviously, this recent uh, issue with COVID-19. And really, you know, we are there to support our clients in terms of damage prevention, making sure the health and safety of the crew obviously are catered for, and also, you know, environmental protection and environmental compliance, and that will continue. Um, as I said, I think shipping is a very resilient industry, and um, you know, we were we were here yesterday, and we'll certainly be here tomorrow. Thank you, thank you, Steve. I think uh, resilient is a very very important work, and uh, I do believe uh, actually shipping industry is a very resilient industry. And uh, also, um, we were having quite strong economic fundamentals before the COVID-19 hits us. Um, so hopefully, uh, we will be able to pick up from wherever we left out, uh, at um, uh, when the fundamentals are strong. Um, so uh, I think um, we've got a very good discussion on the topic. And um, uh, thanks a lot uh, to all the panelists. And uh, I hope that uh, for the next um, rest of today and also tomorrow, um, the uh, audience will be uh, able to um, get more information and updates uh, from the panels. And of course, uh, there are very good digital booths and also different rooms um, for this. So uh, please uh, go join them. Thank you. Thank you. Benjamin, thank you very much.